This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I remember as a, as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? I think it was difficult for most Americans to believe that this guy would be as dangerous as he turned out to be. And it's no longer just the whiff of violence, but the appeals to violence. Look at immigration. They don't want to get together and try to resolve this uh, issue. They don't want to try to figure out how we have secure borders because they'd rather have an issue than a solution. This is an attack on freedom, on democracy, on truth. This is an attack that has ripple effects for all of us. Uh, the threats to democracy are real, and the only way to defeat them is showing up and voting. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is April 12th in the year 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell. As always, live post-game show, you can correct me, you can question me, you can poke and prod me at rubenreport.locals.com. The theme today is that I've come to the conclusion, finally, I've been meandering around the conclusion, but I think we got to the conclusion. It's the machine versus all of us. And you can either be in the machine, and I get why that's tempting, because it's a lot easier to be blue-pilled and be in the machine, be a non-playable character, have no autonomy over your life, or you can be one of us. You can be one of the people that see the world as it is and actually fight the narrative that they are constantly forcing down our throats. I think it's a little more challenging to live that way, but I sense it's probably a lot more authentic, a lot more real, a lot better, as the kids say, and uh, I've had just about enough of their dangerous propaganda and nonsense. So let's dive right into it. I'm gonna start today with a video uh, from the BBC. This is the British Broadcasting Corporation. And I just finished watching The Crown, actually, on Netflix, which was uh, quite excellent, if you guys haven't been watching it. Uh, and this last season, they do quite a bit on the BBC. Uh, but in any event, the BBC, which is state-sponsored media, British Broadcasting Corporation, right? So it is supposed to spin things a certain way for the state sort of like NPR gets money from the state, et cetera, et cetera, state-affiliated media now, according to Twitter. Uh, in any event, the uh, CEO, the headman over at Twitter, you might've heard of this guy, Elon Musk, was interviewed by a BBC reporter, and they got into a bit about hate speech. And this is so spectacular, it is so perfectly wonderful, that I offer you nothing more than to sit back and enjoy as this poor schmuck gets destroyed. 
I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. I, I, honestly, I you don't, can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you and said actually, a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only. Well, I only look well at hang my, on a second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then I how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right, and you I, can't I, give us a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying, I've, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I could just lied. What? No, no. They, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right. And as, as I already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know then, that? I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content, and then couldn't name a single example. Right. And as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't. I haven't actually looked at that feed. Then how would you know this hateful weeks. content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's a little bit like who's on first, right? Like I experienced hate speech. Oh, can you give me an example? I wasn't on the thing. Well, then how did you know there was hate speech? Well, I experienced it. Well, how did you know? Well, I experienced it. How did you know you did? Completely ridiculous. I'm not even going to say the guy's name because he is getting demolished across the interwebs at the moment. So there's no need to pile on him specifically. But, but that moment, I think, is so indicative of what we are seeing across media right now, whether it's the internet or whether it's mainstream media, that there is this set of people, whether they work at the BBC or whether they work at CNN, MSNBC, you know, all the usual suspects, that they are in essence paid operatives for the machine. I don't even think a lot of them know it. Like, I don't know anything about this guy. I'd never heard of this guy before this. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he doesn't know that he's sort of a paid operative for the machine, but he's just re he's just repeating the nonsensical talking points of the machine that suddenly there is more hate speech, which by the way, the United States Supreme Court, uh, as you guys know, has uh, ruled that there is no such thing as hate speech because one person's free speech is another person's hate speech, right? There are some limits around that related to libel and slander, which are very, very narrow. And you can't point at somebody and instigate a mob to go kill them, that sort of thing. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater with the intent to do harm uh, and a couple other things. But the point is that we have free speech. Elon Musk has respected it far more than the previous regime at Twitter. By the way, I'm not totally thrilled with Twitter right now. I still think it is extremely whacked and the numbers don't really make sense and a lot of people still tell me they don't see my stuff and I think some degree of shadow banning is still involved. I don't blame Elon Musk for that actually. As he said to me when I was there, this thing is like a fractal Rube Goldberg machine. Remember a Rube Goldberg machine? If you don't know what they are, they're awesome. Uh, Google it, not while you're watching this show, but you know, these machines, you put a ball in and then it jumps over this thing and knocks over some dominoes and then a water can fills up, then it pours on this and a spinning thing goes that way. And, and he's saying it's a fractal one of those, like that's what the code looks like. It's just such a mess. So I think Twitter has all sorts of problems, but these people that just repeat the nonsense, somehow Twitter is meaner under Elon Musk. 
I'm getting way less hate under Elon Musk somehow. I, I don't know what that is, whether something was fixed and they're not pushing people that hate you to certain people. But the point is this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. And look how quickly he folds in the face of, uh, how about one example, right? So this is, this is like what we've seen many times over the years when Jordan Peterson, for example, has gotten into it with some mainstream media people that they really don't know what they're saying. It's also partly why so many lefty Democrat politicians only go on these lefty shows. Why, for example, a guy like me goes to DC, we invite about 20 Democrats on and nobody uh, showed up because they know they'd get a little pushback from me. I'm not noted as the most hardcore interviewer, right? Uh, but they'd get a little pushback as opposed to just being massaged, having their nonsense massaged all the way through the factory. But anyway, let, let's continue on this a little bit. You guys know Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi is an actual journalist. I don't have to use air quotes. Uh, he was one of the original people. He along Barry Weiss were the first two uh, to release the Twitter files. And I can tell you as uh, forthright as I can possibly say, having been to Twitter myself, if Matt's experience at Twitter was anything like mine, which was literally just, they allowed me to sit around, engineers all over the place, Elon talking, doors opening, closing, people coming in. And then at the end, me saying to him, hey, can I write about this? Can I send out a Twitter thread about this. And as you know, he said to me, as long as it's true. So I'm going to suspect it was something like that for Matt. Anyway, Matt releases the original Twitter files, which were all about government collusion on Twitter, stuff that we all suspected, but mainstream media would not, and really still has not covered because it would actually shine the light on their nonsense and, and uh, BS. Anyway, he went on MSNBC uh, on the show, this show by this guy, Mehdi Hassan. Now, Mehdi, who's an Al Jazeera guy, originally he has said some really noxious things about gay people over the years. Uh, he's, he's a far left progressive, like he's standard. It's funny we don't show clips of this guy. I guess we're more of a Joy Reid, MSNBC, Joe Scarborough show for you. Anyway, this guy's just, he's just like sort of just like a terrible lefty propagandist again, from Al Jazeera, so you can sort of put that together. Uh, anyway, here he is, Matt Taibbi on his show related to Elon Musk and the Twitter files, and just watch this. Uh, Will you criticize him today for banning journalists, for working with Modi government to shut down speech, for you know, being anti-union? You, you can go for it, I'll give you as much time as you like. Would you like to criticize Musk now? No, I don't, I don't particularly want to. Um, I, it, look, okay. I, didn't, I didn't criticize him really before, uh, and I think that what the Twitter files are uh, is a step in the right direction. Um, but it's the same Twitter that he's running I right now. I disagree with him. If you want to ask, I, I think Understood, Matt. Well, I'll ask you a specific one. You, 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 ask you ask a specific no, 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 no. It's not Listen. in bad faith, Matt. Sorry. You it say that Twitter... Is. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish my question. You're saying that he's good for Twitter and good for speech. I'm saying he's using Twitter to help one of the most right-wing governments in the world censor speech. I will criticize that. Will you? I have to do. I have to look at the story first. I'm not looking at it now. Hold on, hold on. I I, I posted the story two weeks ago. You tweeted well, at me. Invite. I don't watch the Mehdi Hassan show. <laughs> I don't watch the Mehdi Hassan show. I mean, it's just perfect. Nobody does. Like, trust me, we have way more viewers on a daily basis with than this guy. It doesn't even matter. But anyway, the point of this is when I talk about how they launder the lies. 
right? So the media completely buried the Hunter Biden story for all the time that a whole bunch of us were saying they were shadow banning. You know, if you'd say this about the lab leak or this about the vaccines or mandates, we're, we're getting suspended and banned. The media didn't care about that. Then Taibbi releases, he's one of the people that releases these Twitter files. Hassan has no interest in that. He has no interest in the fact that the government has been exposed to be colluding to silence free speech, a direct violation of the First Amendment. He's not interested in that. He's just trying to get Matt Taibbi on whether Matt Taibbi is upset that Elon Musk doesn't like unions. Like it's, it's just completely irrelevant. Elon Musk's allowed to have his own feelings on uh, unions. He's also allowed to have his own feelings on literally anything because he's a free citizen of the free, at least for now, United States of America. Anyway, here's just a tiny bit more. And this is like a full wrecking of this Hassan fella. And, and I don't think we're gonna need to talk about this guy anymore after today. So we'll go back to our regular scheduled Joy Reid. Joe Scarborough nonsense. Here you go. That line and must Has respond. You. Those are your words. The hilarity of this coming from MSNBC, which did nothing but vomit up uh, fake Russiagate stories that came straight from the FBI for six consecutive years that you guys still haven't apologized for. I wasn't there in that period, so I've got nothing to apologize. I'm asking you your. I do, I do, I do, I do. there, Matt. Thank you for appearing on the show. What, what, uh, appreciate what about your, your Hunter, the Hunter Biden story? Appreciate, that you appreciate your stuff. Uh, I don't Russian think I've ever written about the Hunter Biden story, so maybe you should apologize to me for putting, for putting words in my mouth. You said at the beginning I put words. I never said a word about the Hunter Biden story. Do you see why they want to censor people? So when the internet meme makers put together something like that, I've never said a word about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And then the people of the internet, the good humans out there, and there's plenty of them, they're like, oh, let me just go on Twitter and see if I put Mehdi's name in alongside, uh, if I put Mehdi's name alongside Hunter Biden laptop. I've never said anything. And look how quickly they can expose the nonsense. So do you see why they want so many of us censored? They want us censored. And it's not just its not just guys like Taibi or guys like me, it's people like you. They want us all censored. So we'll all just swallow the narrative. And they use hate speech to mask the true intent. The true intent is full censorship and controlling the narrative. Here is a beautiful video uh, by my friend David Sachs, who's been on the show many times, uh, investor and from the All In podcast, who I think has become a really great, clear voice of what's going on in this country politically these days, talking about how the establishment uses hate speech uh, as a red herring, as a, as a complete fabrication so that they can push their own agenda. Um, I, you know, I tend to think that, that this whole idea of, of hate speech is a little bit of a, of a red herring. I think it's what the left wants you to believe that the debate about free speech is about. So this is where I, I would disagree with Glenn a little bit, um, is that um, is that I think that within First Amendment case law, you have this really uh, thorny fraud area of hate speech, which is generally allowed under the First Amendment, but it's something that no one really wants on social networks. They don't want it next to them. They don't want to participate with that. And what the left has wanted to do ever since Elon took over um, Twitter is to say that this is all about allowing more hate on the platform. And that's never been the motivation, I think, no. for those of us who really care about free speech, right? Even you know, this is true, I think, for Glenn. What, what is our main concern about censorship? It is political suppression. It's about narrative control. It's not like we want more hate on the platform. It's just that we want we want a level playing field. We don't want 
the you know thought police at Twitter putting their thumb on the scale of American democracy and deciding who has a voice and who doesn't. That's what this is really about. And um, and I think that the people who believe in censorship want to make you think that this is about allowing more hate, and it's not. You know, it's so interesting because David's making a couple of great points there, but even if there was more quote-unquote hate on Twitter right now or across the internet right now, um, would that be a reason to stifle political dissent? Would that be a reason to stop someone else's free speech? I don't think so. You know, there were years and years when I was still at my leaving the left phase, the amount of hate that I was getting online, I mean, thousands of tweets every day, dozens of emails, Facebook, everything. It was pretty awful at the beginning of all this. Now, I think mostly they've, th these people have largely given up on me as a target because I survived, because I walked right through the fire. And if you do that, and you don't let them destroy you, eventually they, they find new enemies to find because they're like, oh man. In some ways, I actually thank the people that were my haters for all this time because they made me stronger. It, it actually doubled me down on doing the right thing. Uh, but, but just because there potentially would be more hate, which there's no evidence of, right? Which is why the BBC reporter didn't know what he was talking about. There's no evidence of it. You'd be able to show it very easily in a chart. Well, here we're, you know, but they can't, they can't. They make this stuff up 100% completely. Um, the other thing that uh, Sachs is hitting on there is that it's interesting also because when Elon took over Twitter, suddenly everyone started talking about hate speech, right? They weren't really talking about hate speech on Twitter before. Every now and again, if, if a bunch of right-wingers went after, you know, some, uh, like a black actress or something, they'd say Twitter's full of hate. But then suddenly when Elon got it, it was all about hate. And then there were suddenly all these articles about Twitter's doing nothing about its child porn problem. And it's interesting because they didn't care about Twitter's child porn problem before Elon got it, but then they saw it as a way of getting Elon. Elon has now done more about child porn on Twitter than the entire regime did for the 15 years of Twitter's existence before Elon. So they didn't even care about it. And th there was somebody that did a great study on this where they found all of the articles, mainstream media articles about Twitter and child porn post Elon getting Twitter and none, literally not one of the writers who had wrote those articles since Elon got Twitter had ever written about child porn problems on Twitter before Elon got it. So you can see the narrative. So what, what is this really all about? Well, the, the, when you control the narrative, it makes us care and focus on things that we don't care about and that we don't want our life, in our lives. One of those things would be woke beer. So, you know, the big story over the last week or so has been that Bud Light, which is obviously from Anheuser-Busch, the Clydesdales, all that stuff, uh, Bud Light uh, went woke. They decided to make Dylan Mulvaney, who is a biological man who has quote unquote transitioned and lives life as a female. It is unclear what genitals he or she has. I'm not going to make anyone in this room Google it today because I'm just feeling that I shouldn't for one day. Can we take one day off Googling people's genitals here at the Rubin Report? Uh, but the company has lost about $4 billion dollars since this has happened because people have had it with this nonsense. The average person who drinks Bud Light is not interested in a guy pretending to be a girl promoting their beer, right? A guy that Bud Light was always marketed to guys drinking at the football game and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, sometimes you can find out in a very direct way. Uh, here is video of Alyssa Heinerscheid. 
She's Bud Light's VP of marketing. So she is the one that put Dylan Mulvaney in this marketing piece, okay? This was all her, uh, her idea. And listen as she talks about her inclusive strategy here and then wonder if this is the type of woman you'd want working at your company. I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like mm -hmm. we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm -hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. I mean, this woman, who I assume soon will be fired by Anheuser-Busch, if you own a company and you're looking for someone in marketing, you stay as far away as this, from this person as you can. And this is exactly why diversity, equity, and inclusion ruin everything. She was embarrassed basically is what she's saying in the last line there, the fratty lowbrow humor of what Bud Light came to represent. Those are the people who liked that beer. It's not the most high end beer. It was beer that you drink with your buddies or at a frat party or out of a keg upside down or out of a funnel or what else are people doing with Bud Light beer, cracking it over their heads and whatever. Uh, it wasn't for, now she wants to make it, it's for men and for women, although Dylan Mulvaney's a little of both, I guess. Uh, and this thing that she wanted to make it inclusive, that beer should be inclusive. Connor, you're the beer guy here. When you go to the store and you're selecting, you got all the beers there. Are you looking for inclusivity in your beer? Are you looking for a gay flag, maybe some sort of black power fist in your beer? How do you decide your beer choice? What's that? You want a beer with pronouns. You want a beer. You're going, you're going for alcohol content. You're going for whether you like an IPA or something like, like, it's just nonsense. But again, these people get into these companies and she's basically saying it. My job wasn't to strengthen that iconic brand, you know, figure out, well, where are the, there are still new frat guys out there. There are new people that have kind of worked with this. If, if, the, if, if she felt it was kind of aging out or it didn't feel as cool as it used to, there's ways to do that. But then to, to she's embarrassed. This is what it is. She's embarrassed by the people that bought her product, the product she was uh, hired to sell. And that is a major freaking problem. Uh, we have a little more from her. I think we have a little more from her. Yeah. Uh, oh no, not from her. This is, this is wild. So check this out. So they've lost about $4 billion. Uh, this is video that a guy who is an Anheuser-Busch affiliate. So he's one of the guys that brings the, the beer, you know, cause they don't have Anheuser-Busch plants everywhere. So they have these affiliates that bring the beer to the stores all over the country. Uh, and here's a guy doing a selfie video talking about how the, the lack of sales now because of this Dylan Mulvaney trans nonsense, inclusivity in light beer, uh, what it's doing to his business. Um, <clears throat> I work for an affiliate company. I am a merchandiser 
and the sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch products. So with all this canceling going on, um, there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products. And it's, it's sad because when people don't buy this beer, I don't make money and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele. So it's uh, kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon. Okay, so obviously the, the I may not be able to feed my family, that's the that's the banner one on that, and hopefully he'll find another job with a, a better distributor. Uh, but again, this goes to the point, they don't know their audience, or they're ashamed of their audience, because these wokesters don't want white frat boys drinking their beer. And call me crazy, but if I was in charge of a beer company, I wouldn't care who's drinking the beer. If I saw a lot of beer being sold and drank all over the country, I wouldn't be going, well, how many white people are drinking our beer? How many lesbos are drinking our beer? How many uh, trans people and how many gays? Like, it's so nonsensical. But that is why the woke mind virus infects and destroys the host almost without exception. So now I want to connect this a little bit to what's going on politically right now. So you remember a couple weeks ago, there was this horrific shooting at the Christian school. Six people killed, uh, three students and I think three faculty members. Um, it, it was absolutely awful. Uh, well, then there was some protests. There were protests against guns, of course, right? The Democrats then protest against guns, even though it was good guys with guns that stopped the shooter who was trans, a radical trans activist, or at least identified as trans. It's hard to even know. So just because someone says they're trans doesn't actually mean anything anymore. Uh, but as you probably heard over the last couple of days, there have been a bunch of protests at the Tennessee Capitol uh, you might say insurrections because a bunch of people who were not invited in got in there, wouldn't leave, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then two uh, representatives were kicked out. So here's, here's a little info from 19th News in Tennessee. Members of the Republican-dominated state house will vote today on whether three lawmakers, Gloria Johnson, Justin Pearson, and Justin Jones, should be removed from their seats for engaging in acts of protests over gun violence. Okay, so that was a couple days ago. Uh, subsequently, what happened? Now, they came in, they were using bullhorns, they were not allowed, allowed to. Two of them uh, were actually expelled. I've got a little info from the Daily Wire, this is this morning. Uh, the votes on expulsion followed the filing of resolutions on Monday against Jones, Gloria Johnson, and Pearson. A vote to expel Johnson failed by one vote. Representative Gina Bolso, who's a Republican, said that the Democrats had tried to shred the state's constitution with the bullhorn during the debate on these resolutions. Johnson suggested the reason she was not expelled might have been racially motivated. During his defense, Pearson also attempted to make the debate about race, suggesting that Tennessee Republicans were racist and invoking black women who stood at the cross when Jesus was crucified. Gloria Johnson was the one out of the three that was not revoked. Now, she happens to be a white woman. The two that were, were black men. I cannot mind read as to why the legislature, the Republicans decided to do that. Are they so outwardly racist or was something else going on there? The, all three of them 
as far as I can tell, broke the, the laws that they are supposed to abide by. You can't bring a bullhorn into the house. They have certain laws of decorum, as every state house has, as our capital has, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They brought protesters in, which they weren't supposed to. Like there's, there's a series of things there. Maybe she wasn't directing all of it. I, su I suspect we'll find out a little bit more about that. Now I wanna show you video of one of the guys who is since suspended. His name is Justin Pearson at the Capitol. This is a day or two ago. Take a look. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful. He's got the hair and the thin tie and he's got the MLK accent. That's powerful stuff. That feels very authentic, doesn't it? Hot damn, here he is, same guy, 2016. Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I want to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. That was him as a normal person speaking in normal cadence back in 2016. Let's just watch five or ten more seconds of him just a couple days ago. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. You know, I'm starting to think that anyone can do an accent like that. And I don't know how long I can do the accent for, but I'll do it as long as I have to to drive home the point that anyone can talk in a certain way and I can lift a coffee mug and talk over here even though I'm talking to nobody. And I can take out my chapstick and I can put it on and tell everybody from sea to shining sea, that if you just use this accent, then gosh darn it, you're making a better point. Because if you talk like this, and I want to bring the Democrats and the Republicans together, that doesn't really work, you understand. You've got to grow out the hair. You've got to tell the people what your problem is. And you've got to get the media to tell everybody that you're MLK too. Because this kid over here, he was just saying, hey, Republicans and Democrats, maybe we can find some things together. But it doesn't work to do it that way. Kamala Harris, uh, who is the vice president, uh, or acting as the vice president, whatever she's doing, uh, she went to Nashville. Uh, we have a tweet here about her visit. Uh, Kamala visited Nashville to meet three expelled lawmakers, but not the attack victims. Biden invited the lawmakers to the White House, but not the cops who stopped the shooter. Are you paying attention yet? So really think about what's going on here. She went to Tennessee. She did not meet with the families of the victims. There are three families of children whose children are dead. Kamala Harris did not go meet with them. She met with those lawmakers. She did not go meet with the families of the teachers that are dead. And here is video of her defending the storming of the Tennessee Capitol. Again, breaking the laws of the Tennessee Capitol. We're told these things are insurrections, but 
as you guys know, Democrat privilege. When you're a Democrat, you can get away with it. They chose to lead and show courage to say that a democracy allows for places where the people's voice will be heard and honored and respected. And they understood the importance, these three, of standing to say the people will not be silenced. To say that a democracy hears the cries, hears the pleas, who hears the demands of its people, who say the children should be able to live and be safe and go to school and not be in fear. Isn't it incredible the way I talk when I'm trying to make a point and I'm whispering sort of like Joe Biden and I'm not really telling you exactly what happened and I could have gone one mile over to visit the families of the dead children but I'm more concerned with the trans community even though it was a trans shooter and I'm also more concerned to make this about politics so I can take people's guns. Ukraine big, Russia small. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but who do they blame? Oh, this is a good one. Here's a doozy for you. Uh, here is cringe Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary. Uh, and she's very upset with Ron DeSantis over this trans shooter killing six people in Tennessee. Now you might be going, but wait a minute, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. Well, there's a couple things going on here. They obviously fear Ron DeSantis more than anyone else at the national level. And as a matter of fact, here in Florida, just this past week, we did pass. We have a supermajority, a Republican supermajority here, and we passed a constitutional carry, uh, meaning you don't have to have uh, an extra permit to carry your gun. You got your gun legally. You did your background checks and everything else, which Gavin Newsom, of course, was lying about yesterday. We covered that. Uh, you don't need an extra permit. You already got your permit to have your gun. And uh, that's what we're doing here in Florida. We have states' rights. That's how it is. But Corinne Jean-Pierre basically blaming the Texas shooting on Ron DeSantis. On Florida, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signing uh, a concealed, uh, permitless concealed weapon law. I know you released a statement, but does the White House feel that when laws like this are passed in states like Florida, that it undermines the work it's doing to address the, uh, the nation's uh, gun epidemic? So we think it's shameful. It's certainly shameful and tragic, especially after a school shooting. It's shameful and tragic. It's shameful and tragic that a state uses its state authority to do what it wants to do in its state, not breaking any laws, doing what the people voted for, because we voted for the supermajority here. We voted in a landslide for the governor. The people, just one more time, guys, because the, the Democrats and the media lie about this relentlessly. This is about the permit. You don't need a second permit to conceal carry because if you have your gun legally, if you have your gun illegally, you're in trouble already, right? But if you have your gun legally, you've had your background checks, you got your permit, they did whatever they needed to do, and each state decides what that is, and then you are allowed to carry your gun. But it's shameful after a shooting. You know, it was, it was good guys with guns that stopped that shooting. It's funny, I don't know that she said anything about how it's shameful that uh, so many people like her and her mainstream media cohorts have, have radicalized the far left progressive trans whatever base to the point that we've had a couple trans shooters or trans identifying shooters as of late. But this all goes to show that the, the culture and the narrative at the top level, at the federal level, at the mainstream media level, it's all BS and nonsense. 
but there are good things happening bottom up, whether it is online shows where you can get a degree of truth or the states which are doing the work they are supposed to be doing, protecting the rights of their citizens. That's exactly what's happening here in Florida, although that's a far cry from what's happening uh, in Illinois. As you know, Chicago, Illinois gave the boot to Lori Lightfoot. That's right, Lori Lightfoot is no more, although I'm told if you say her name three times, she will come back from the dead and scare the hell out of the kids. Uh, they did, the, however, elect another far left whack job progressive. So what's gonna happen? More good people, the good decent citizens who remain in Chicago, they will flee, they will come to places like Florida. DeSantis was talking about that yesterday. Hello, uh, some of the, the elections outside of Florida because it affects Florida. This Chicago mayor, people are gonna flee Chicago in even greater numbers. We are gonna get more refugees as a result of that. Because it's like, you know, you see what's not working and you go even further in that direction. You know, you just wonder, like, what is going on? But there's no question that I think you're going to continue to see it downward there. And I think you're going to see people. We've already had it. We've had massive businesses move out of there into Florida, into Texas, some other places. Uh, but I think you're going to see probably more residents would be would be my guess. And uh, you know, so so we monitor these things just because you, you see the you see the result. I mean, that's that's uh, that that will be very paradox. Guys, I want to be just crystal clear on one point here. I am completely okay with this. At this point, it is just fine with me if the red states get redder and the blue states get bluer. And you have to make a decision. It's up to you. And we all have family pressures, job pressures, elderly parents, children in school, all of the stuff that. You, I can't move for this reason, or I should move for this reason, or I'm financially tied to this, or I grew up here, all of those things. But at the end of the day, these things are splitting. They are splitting whether you like it or not. And again, our founders were so ingenious. They were so brilliant that they set up this system that you would have a place to flee because the experiment would allow for these laboratories of democracy to all do it a little bit differently and you could find a place that was in line with your views. And maybe it's not the place you grew up in, maybe it's not the place you intended to live, but it, but, that, but it is up to you. That is the beauty. So you might be going, well, David, this new Chicago mayor can't be worse than Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot, one of the worst public servants, just one of the most vile, disgusting people that we've had in politics. I mean, remember that moment uh, during COVID where first off she was outside without a mask for the BLM riots. She said, well, sometimes things go beyond public health. But then she was, you know, that speech we've shown to you a million times where she was talking about, we will find you and we will arrest you. Disgusting little creature. Anyway, yes, they've gone even further left than her. The new mayor of Chicago is a guy by the name of Brandon Johnson. Uh, he used to be a teacher. Uh, here were some of his policies while he was teaching. It taught me though was pushing like to eliminate sort of the standardization of our public schools. Um, my students sometimes would get frustrated. I didn't offer any test prep. Many of my other colleagues were doing it at the time. I was pushing our administration to move away from that. To be quite frank with you, I didn't issue a lot of homework for students. Um, that was my own way of sort of rebelling against the structure. Um, I, I don't think I ever gave a kid an F. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know how a student sits in front of you and fails. I mean, there's so much there. So no test prep. Guys, there's a test tomorrow. I can't tell you anything about it. I have no freaking clue what's going to be on that thing. Good luck with all of that. That's one thing. 
Uh, he didn't do much homework. In his defense, I always felt there was too much homework in high school. I guess that one's a little debatable. I'm trying to be fair here. And he didn't give anyone an F. These people, they, there is no bottom to this hole. Do you guys get that? Like what he's saying there is, I wouldn't want a kid to think that he's an idiot, but some kids are idiots. And you know what you do? You give them an F. And then you know what happens? They then might go, you know, I don't like being left back a year, or I don't like being made fun of by my friends, or I don't like being dumb. And then they might start working harder. I'll tell you something I've never said publicly before. You want one never said publicly. This happened to me, I was in, uh, what year was this? Ninth grade. So this is uh, about 1990, 91, something like that. In math, I, I was never paying attention in math. My teacher was very funny. This guy was Mr. Mr. T, we called him. I forget a long last name, like an Armenian last name. We called him Mr. T. This guy was funny as hell. And he didn't really teach that much math, but he was funny. I loved that class, but I had no idea what was going on. But somehow, like, I was always kind of bright enough that I could, like, sort of fake it throughout the year. But then in New York, we had something called the Regents. And that was the, the standardized test by the state at the end of the year. And you had to pass the Regents to then get into 10th grade math. And at 10th grade math, you had to pass the Regents again to 11th grade. I failed the Regents. And then you know what happened? I got stuck when I was in 10th grade back with the ninth graders for a semester. And I was with the morons and the freaks and the idiots. And then I was like, well, I really screwed up here. And I got a tutor and I studied real hard and I got out of it in half a semester. Roughly, I think I got out a little bit early. So it was like half a semester or something. And then I went on and did just fine in math for the rest. I never really loved it, but I did it just fine. Felt good to tell people that, you know, I got it off my chest. So there I am. I took the Regents in ninth grade twice. Okay, there you go. So you might go to this guy. All right, all right. He doesn't want to tell the kids what's on the tests. He doesn't want to give them much homework. He doesn't want to give Fs. Now he's the mayor. Like, how could that translate? How could this sort of equity in education translate into policy? Well, he's also not really into policing. He's sort of down with rioting, looting, things of that nature. Here he is in uh, 2020. There was rioting and organized looting last night, and you're calling to defund the police. Explain that. Yeah, what we're seeing is obviously is uh, an outbreak of incredible frustration um, and anguish that communities that have been isolated um, through poverty over generations. And what we have is um, sort of a typical, very standard quite frankly, a very tired response um, to the regularly scheduled pandemic, which is structural racism. And that response has been to increase um, police presence that has not led to anything of substance to secure communities and to make communities whole. Such nonsense. Do you know study after study has proven that when you send more policing into these areas, these high crime areas, that crime goes down. And when you take policing out and you defund the police, people then are upset because next thing you know, oh, grandma got shot. Could somebody, oh, there's nobody around because we defunded the police. We know this over and over. We know what happened. It's not just in Chicago. I mean, the, the best example is what happened in, in uh, Minneapolis because Ilhan Omar was the number one pusher of defund the police Minneapolis became an absolute crime-infested dump, murders, theft, larceny, all of it went skyrocketing. Then she started blaming the police officers for not doing their jobs after she basically handcuffed them and, and defunded them. And then you wonder why, as DeSantis said, we take the refugees here in Florida. And of course, the question always remains, will the refugees vote the right way? I think so far, 
for the most part, people are getting it. So the question remains, however, how do voters feel that Trump, Biden, DeSantis, whoever else, how do they all fit into this cultural mix, this, this narrative of good guy, bad guy, defund the police, fund the police, blue, red, blah, blah, blah. How does it all happen? Well, or how do they all fit into that puzzle? Well, first off, uh, you may have seen this over the weekend, uh, Easter. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, but Joe Biden was asked by Al Roker of NBC. He was asked whether he's gonna run for president again and, and really try to count the errors in this sentence. Try to count the consecutive words that make sense, the flummoxing and everything else. I mean, it's, it's as big of a softball question. Are you gonna run for president? Like, have something ready to roll. Just listen to this. And also just watch, watch Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, as she's, she's next to him, just praying that each word can get out of his mouth. So th this is a fantastic event, one of my favorites of the year. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after, planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe five. Maybe five? <laughs> maybe maybe so, six. So what the hell? Are you, are you saying that uh, you would be... Uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024. Well, I'll either, so either, either roll an egg or you know, being the the, good, the you know the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a bro <laughs> help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, no. Well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. Well, I th so nice. I, I, thank you for having well, us good, up here. Good to be here. Thank you, Doctor Biden. Fun. You see the way Dr. Jill looks at him at that moment where he's clearly flummoxed. He doesn't know what he's going to say. And then he says, I'll either be the guy who's rolling the egg or who's pushing them out. Does he think he's a rabbit? He thinks he's an actual Easter bunny rabbit pushing out an egg. It is just wild. Anyway, it looks like he's going to run. But as I've been saying, they are absolutely prepping Gavin Newsom in case of the brain hemorrhage or whatever might, you know, the fall up the stairs, whatever might happen to Joe Biden. Uh, but now I want to transition a little bit into the other side of the aisle for a moment because uh, President Trump was on Tucker Carlson's show last night for a rather extensive interview. I got a couple of clips here. Uh, and as you guys know, I've, I've been somewhat hard on Trump lately because I think of, because of some of the behavior, not the policies. I think some of the attacks have not been warranted and I think it's turning off a lot of people, but I'll always give credit where credit is due. And again, I do for the most part, like Trump, voted for him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, here's Trump talking about whether he thinks Biden will even run in 2024. Do you think Biden will stay in the race? Look, uh, I, I watch him just like you do. And I think it's almost inappropriate for me to say it. I don't see how it's possible. But there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. I mean, you can't get a softer question than that. That was a long answer of talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, I don't think he can. I don't think he can. It's kind of right, right? Like, so that's sort of Trump at his best when he's just saying what he thinks. And usually what he thinks is what most of us are thinking, but probably not saying. Now, I have no problem saying this stuff about Biden, it's become incredibly obvious. But, you know, the mainstream media, the corporate press refuses to say it. They will run out of their way to say that Biden is completely fine. Jill Biden, who is, who is the real criminal in all of this, just a couple weeks ago saying, we would never consider taking a cognitive test for Joe Biden. I mean, that's actually crazy. That's actually evil if you are married to this man and supposedly love this man and we all know something's wrong. But the Democrats are going all in on this, I think because he is just the vessel and wh whether 
the driver of the vessel is Obama or whatever that is behind it. He is the perfect patsy to just get up there and as always poorly read the nonsensical statements that are ushering in all this communism and wrecking our economy and all of these things. Uh, Tucker then went on to ask Trump about his future because obviously there's the indictment in New York. There's this uh, potential indictment coming down the pike in Georgia, which everyone really is saying. I mean, people that I trust about legal issues are saying has far more teeth than the New York one. So Tucker asked Trump if he would ever consider dropping out. Is there anything they could throw at you legally that would convince you to drop out of the race? If you get convicted in this case in New York, no, you I'd never drop, drop out. out. No, I'd never drop. It's not my thing. I wouldn't do it. I believe him. I believe him. I believe he will run right through this. I believe he will walk into the fire and do this to the extent that he can. If it gets to a point where he's losing a whole bunch of primaries and it's just not looking good, then he would get out. I would say the other reason he could potentially get out is he is of a certain age and anything can happen to anybody regardless of their age. But, you know, if, if he suddenly had a back problem or couldn't be on stage or whatever else it might be, like that could pull him out. But I don't think that the indictment, maybe what what Alvin Bragg and the Soros people and, and the entire Democrat establishment were all hoping was they could scare the hell out of him with this indictment and that subtly he would be like, you know, if I, now I see that they've really creeped onto me here. Like this is different than them just saying mean things. Like this is like serious stuff now. This is their way of making me back off. Maybe I'll take the bait. He did not take the bait and now I believe he will be all in. Uh, Trump also started talking about who America's biggest enemy is, and I thought his answer here uh, was actually quite good. Who's the biggest problem, sir? Is it China? Could it be Russia? Could it be North Korea? No, I said the biggest problem is from within. It's these sick, radical people from within, because we can handle, if we're smart, we can handle Russia, China. I did. It was a sad day in many ways, and in many days, ways it was a beautiful day, because the people understand. I didn't know this was happening, but the poll numbers have gone through the roof. The people get it. And the other ones are hoaxes also. You know, the box hoax. Look at Biden. He's got 1,850 boxes. And, you know, that's a hoax. And then the one in Atlanta where I had a perfect phone call. This is all weaponization. They're weaponizing our justice system, Tucker. And they think if they go and give you a subpoena, you know, I guess I'm very well known and people understand it and they get it. And maybe I have a bigger platform so I can explain it. But if you're somebody, a Republican, let's say, running for office and you get a subpoena, you might as well resign because you're not going to be able to survive it. And you, the voters aren't going to handle it. The voters aren't going to take it. What they're doing is weaponizing the system and there's never been anything like it. Okay, so look, this is, this is Trump when he is clear and cogent and saying something that is deeply true. The system has been weaponized against him because he is an enemy of the system. He's not running around saying, we must stop China. We must stop Russia. Actually, what he's saying is we didn't have a lot of problems with Russia and China when I was president, which actually was true. And every time he said something, you know, sort of quote unquote anti-China, they would call him a racist, right? But Russia did not invade Ukraine under him. They did under Obama and they did under Biden. So, you know, you got it. The proof's in the pudding on this, some of this stuff. So this is Trump's this is Trump at his best, right? I think part of the issue though he is gonna have around this is that the more he gets bogged down in these indictments and having to worry about this stuff, who will see, does it affect the campaigning? Does it affect his overall energy? You know, a lot of people have been saying to me, his energy seems off because the first time around there was so much excitement around it and it was this make America great again thing and it all felt new and the trolling and everything else. I just don't think he can replicate that again and he's gonna have to figure out what that means. 
Uh, but as you know, my frustration has been about the attacks, the crazy attacks. But I wanna show you one more clip of Trump on Tucker last night because uh, Gavin Newsom came up because Gavin Newsom has been doing this tour of America and he's clearly like, do not have any question in your mind about this. He's clearly doing this because they are prepping him in case Biden falters. And I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know how it could even be done legally, but they will figure out a way to push Kamala Harris to the side. It will be the diverse and inclusive Democrats who push the black woman out of the side for the cisgendered white Christian male. And they'll gladly do it with a smile on their face, that devil-worshipping freak. Anyway, uh, Trump was asked by Tucker about his relationship with Newsom, and, and this is really, really fascinating. I used to get along great with him, you know, when I was president. I had along, you know, got along really good, Gavin. Well, but you got along with Gavin Newsom? I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like he's doing a great job. Oh, he was very About nice. you? About me. That's why I could never hit him, because he was so nice to me. That's a really bad line, guys. That's a really bad line, and it goes to what everyone's concerns are about Trump at this point. He was always nice to me. He said nice things about me, and that's why I couldn't hit him. This is the guy who's telling everyone he's gonna drain the swamp. So now imagine, it's, it's uh, 2025, right? Trump's sworn in, he's president, he gets back to DC and he's about to drain the swamp. And he walks into the FBI and the head of the FBI is like, President Trump, your hair looks great today. It's a, it's a little extra fluffy, looks really great. He'll be like, what, I was gonna drain the swamp? Oh, thanks, I'm not gonna hit you too hard. Like that actually is his weakness, this, this need to be liked by people who do not like him or whose actions are in complete polar opposite to everything he purports to believe in. This is what he seemingly does all the time. He'll tell you that the New York Times is failing all the time, which actually is true, and that it's not a place of actual journalism, but then he'll constantly do interviews with Maggie Haberman, who then throws him under the bus and then he fights with her. So he keeps doing this, but this is, I think, this is a real Achilles heel. That's a really bad line. I couldn't hit him because he was nice to me, and that's the guy who is supposedly the savior of the Republic? Like, that's weak, man. But now I wanna show you this. This is a compilation of Trump praising Newsom during COVID. Putting that to the backdrop of what he just said, is this not interesting, right? So he just said, I couldn't criticize him because he was nice to me. Now we know that California was perhaps the worst. Michigan might've been worse maybe New York, but like California, top three for sure, in worst states related to COVID, most draconian lockdowns, the most amount of people leaving, all of the stuff. You guys get all of it. But now watch this compilation, having just heard that he said he couldn't hit Newsom because Newsom was nice to him. You look at what's going on in California where they're doing a fantastic job. They really are. The governor's doing great. I'm proud of him. I've gotten very friendly with Gavin Newsom. He's done a very good job here. I watched... Uh, what's been happening in California with Governor Newsom and uh, this morning with Governor Cuomo. And uh, I applaud them. They're taking very strong, bold steps, and I applaud them. We agree on the coronavirus, and uh, on that we got along very well. And Our relationship began earlier than most, and so from that perspective, all I can say is, from my perspective, the relationship has been strong. It's done a really a terrific job in California. Well, we've gotten along very well, Gavin Newsom. We've gotten along very well with regard to uh, COVID-19, as we call it. Uh, in that respect, he's been fantastic, and we've been fantastic, and he said very generous things. Yeah, California, by the way, also doing a very good job. Governor Newsom. Yeah, I'm going to meet with the governor right now, Gavin Newsom. We've worked very well together. 
Okay. I am not trying to be uh, sort of unnecessarily critical of Trump here, but I think what we just did there shows you a little something. Trump can be wooed very easily. If you are just nice to him, he will run around and say, you're doing a great job with COVID. As California was locking their citizens in their homes and Gavin Newsom was eating at French Laundry and they were kicking people out of school and all of those things, somehow Gavin Newsom became one of his good friends during all of this. That is just something. For those of you that watch this show that are hardcore Trump people, and again, I voted for the guy and like the guy and I hope I'll sit down with him over the next couple of months. You have to think about that. Like, are we allowed to criticize the guy at any level or is just nothing can be touched with him? I'm not that interested in that. Are you? You have to decide for yourself. So let's go full circle here. The mainstream media machine is losing control of the narrative. We can very easily see it on the left when these people try to attack Elon Musk or Matt Taibbi or the nonsense related to the response to the Nashville shooting. Uh, but it's also on the right when it comes to Trump, vaccine, COVID. They're just losing the narrative on everything and a whole bunch of us are waking up to it. I wanna play one more clip. Uh, this is Tucker going solo last night, uh, talking about how the media has lied for us for so long and that Trump was the one that was exposing the lies. For the past seven years, the neocon media establishment's been telling you that Donald Trump is a dangerous lunatic. In two years in office, Joe Biden has brought the world to the brink of nuclear holocaust. Who's the dangerous lunatic? and they're lecturing you about global warming. So it's interesting, he goes on and on to, to talk more about that, but the point being that we have been told for a long, long time that Trump was the one who was an idiot and a buffoon and a racist and a Nazi and all of these things, but things were way better. I mean, really guys, try to remember for one second, try to remember for one second, five days before COVID, the economy was cooking, there was the nonsense in the media, Trump's evil and blah, 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 but like it was all working. COVID then demolished everything and Trump made massive mistakes during COVID. There's no doubt about it. He backed Fauci all the way through, right? He was praising Gavin Newsom virtually all the way through. He did Operation Warp Speed and he still defends that, which put this experimental quote unquote vaccine in the arms of so many people and was pushing people to get booster shots just something like six months ago. So he made mistakes all the way, but he clearly, was not the guy that was leading us into World War III, which far more seems like the Democrats right now, because if you say anything remotely uh, isolationist or we shouldn't just you know, spend endless amounts of money arming Ukraine, or just I'm a little curious about what we're actually doing there, and you know that Putin guy does have nukes, is there something to worry about here? If you say any of that, they'll tell you that you're a Putin apologist and you're a Russian stooge, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so what is the machine supposed to be doing? while it's leading us into World War III, what I think what the media machine is supposed to be doing is questioning things, right? It's given, a, it's given me a great avenue to have a career, right? Because they seem completely incapable of doing their job. But there's plenty of other people who are now looking at the mainstream media and going, man, I wish you just weren't that terrible. And I always say it, it's like, I don't even think the mainstream media has to be particularly good. I think they just have to not be abjectly awful, but they seem un, uh, incapable of doing that. Another guy who's been getting this and I think is really, uh, built an incredible career off it is Joe Rogan. And here he is going off on mainstream media. It used to be that the media was the primary place that people would go to find out what's going on in the world. But now the media conveniently leaves out anything that it doesn't want to be at the front and center in, in terms of like 
things that people concentrate on and talk about. You know, all it is is like January 6th, January 6th. Did you see what they did? January 6th, Trump is coming back, but January 6th looms large. How about the fact that the guy who's the president right now can't form a fucking sentence? He makes up words and stumbles through things. No one says a goddamn thing about it. Yeah. So there's Rogan just laying out the basic truths that I try to lay out here every day. There is a huge disconnect between what is getting fed to us by the mainstream media, the corporate press, the, the Democrat politicians, and then what reality is on the ground. So you know what we need? We need new voices. We need new fighters. We need new platforms. We need new media. We need new all of it, as I always say, and we can do it. You know, there was that joke a couple of years ago when a whole bunch of us were complaining about Twitter. We were complaining about YouTube and Facebook and censorship. There were these uh, sarcastic comments always coming at me and coming at many people. Go build your own internet. Don't like it? They're private companies. Go build your own internet. Well, you know what? I did do that. I went ahead and did that. And I created Locals.com. And we merged with Rumble. And you know it was announced this morning? Rumble will now be the exclusive video partner, the exclusive live stream video partner of all the Republican debates. That's right, they will not be on YouTube. They will all be on Rumble. It was announced this morning. Here's just a quick little promo video because we are going ahead and changing the game. And so I, competition's good. In the marketplace, if more people go to rumble.com, maybe YouTube will someday say, oh my goodness, people are leaving us and nobody's going to want to participate. Maybe they'll change their ways. My official office has adopted Rumble as our video sharing service of choice because Rumble stands for freedom of speech. We will expand the frontiers of human knowledge and extend the horizons of human achievement. Another uh, opportunity to get away from YouTube and that is to use rumble.com. Listen, do you, I can't tell you what to do. I'm just saying stop supporting people. Google owns YouTube that don't support us. And they didn't tell you it was fake, didn't tell you it was hacked. Why'd you take it down? Rumble. Kevin McCarthy here. I'm the Republican leader of the House of Representatives. So I know what it means to be on the receiving end of big tech bias, censorship, and cancel culture. And I also know what it's going to take to fight back for a free and open internet. And Rumble is leading the way. In summation, my brothers and sisters, what I want you to do right now is open up your laptop, get out your iPad or your iPhone or whatever device you're using, and I want you to go over to rumble.com slash Report. I want you to click that subscribe button. I want you to go to the highest mountain and yell to everybody that they've got to subscribe to the thing, you see. I became Cosby at the end of that. We got a cold uh, close for you. A little Gavin Newsom nonsense. And then we got a post-game show for you in just about 32 seconds because we do a post-game show at the end of every one of these programs. I'm Dave Rubin. Thank you for watching. God bless America. God bless you people. All right, we'll, we'll see you in a sec. The hell's going on? 
Clean it up. You've heard him bloviate on TV, interviews, and social media, but never before have all his failures been brought together in one collection. Uh, we all need to self-medicate periodically. The people that brought you Biden's blunders and Kamala's cackles now proudly present Gavin Newsom's greatest hits. This whole damn border debate is made up. It's made up. And who could forget? Well, finally, California is going to get it right with this new high-speed rail. Timeless classics. If we can just get everybody vaccinated that's not vaccinated, that's refusing to get vaccinated, that's living uh, vaccine-free and impacting the rest of us. It's like drunk drivers. And cliches. These are organized gangs of people that are coming out. And forgive me for saying gangs. I know that, that, that that's not a pejorative. They're organized groups of folks. Everyone's favorite. Deeply sorry about that. I've hurt someone I care deeply about, Alex Turk, his friends and family. Platitudes. I thought I was dumb. I mean, look like a third world country. We haven't been looking that good in the last few decades in this state. And failures like. And that's why we established this framework, what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homeless in San Francisco. Order Gavin Newsom's greatest hits by calling 1-916-445-2841. Gavin Newsom's greatest hits, not available in stores. Please allow four to six weeks for delivery, money back guarantee. Please, for the love of God, keep this guy out of the White House. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.